Welcome to the Agree to Disagree show, a show that discusses news, politics, and pop culture with your host, Luigi C. I want to see how many people I can agree to disagree with. We will try to solve life's great mysteries. Why is the sky blue? Why do we lean left or right? Why are we all nuts? Let's start the show. What is up, everybody? Welcome. Welcome to 73 of the Agree to Disagree show, where we discuss current events, politics, pop culture, and social issues. I hope you're all doing well tonight, guys. I am pumped tonight for another solitary confinement sessions. Confined here all by myself, in my little office, studio, call it whatever you want to call it. Guys, if you appreciate the show and you want to show your love and support it, all you need to do is like, share, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram page, or anywhere where you listen to your podcast. If you're just listening to a podcast and the audio on Spotify, Apple podcast, Amazon music, iHeartRadio, and what I would really love for you to do, if you can, is please leave a review because that will help the algorithms and the show grow. So please, guys, show some love. That's all I'm asking. Show some love that, and send it my way. Um, like always, guys, let's make this interactive. Put yourself in the comments, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook Live on my uh, personal page and on the Agree to Disagree show page. Um, just say hi, whatever you want. Let's see it in the comments. Um, I want to, I want to make this interactive tonight. So guys, uh, I was, I had my, I had my, all my stories, topics I wanted to discuss tonight prepared and and that was, and I was going to lead with another story, but that was before a friend of mine in a group chat with my cigar buddies sent me a story. And this is just a follow-up, a very popular story. So um, listen, I'm going to put on the screen. I don't think I'm going to you know, need to, 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 to say more than this. But here it is, okay? So I'm going to show you. Is this normal to you? It, it, now, j- j- is the picture normal, right? So this is a teacher, okay, um, that uh, is transgender, transitioning to a woman. And um, this is what she looks like. So why I'm talking about this again is, let me bring up the story here, is that after a biologically male shop teacher identified as Kayla Lemieux began teaching class while wearing a blonde wig, um, tight bicycle shorts, and most notably, obscenely large prosthetic breasts with protruding nipples. The local school board decided that, despite backlash, this attire would be permitted. It is important to recognize the impact that dress code policies can have on members of the transgender community, said the report from the Halton District School Board. Most notably, it is important for employers to make allowances to ensure that these employers employees, excuse me, are able to express themselves in accordance with their lived gender. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up the picture again. And and, and I'm going to ask you, is, is this normal? Is this normal that high school children have to see this? I don't know, Halloween costume? This make-believe character 
is is this is this normal? I thought when when initially this story came out, I thought it was a joke. I'll be honest with you. I thought he was basically doing something against the school, but uh, he or she, sorry, I don't want to disrespect her, Kathleen, whatever her name is. Um, so now, not only is it not a joke, uh, not only um, did, of course, when this came came to light that one of the students took this picture, um, that now the school board has ruled that, that, that this is okay and this is acceptable for a teacher to wear prosthetic, obscenely large prosthetic breasts with protruding nipples while while she's teaching. Um, listen, I, I knew that Ontario was was basically falling into an, uh, an abyss in, in terms of uh, wokeness and uh, political correctness, but this is a new law. Did, did, at what point, I mean, our kids now have to pay the price for society's I don't know mental illness. Honestly, is now this one thing? I mean, you know, I understand that the gender dysphoria is, is um, dysphoria. Excuse me, is is a real thing. But but now we're going to take it to this level. We're going to take it to this level. I mean, look at it. I mean, and look at the picture. The saw is literally right next to the breast. So, I mean, come on, guys, come on. What, where are we going? Where are we going? Like, what? What is like? What? What is next? What levels of of depravity are we going to reach? Because the because the school board is afraid of standing up to this individual, and that this basically this individual's right supersedes the right of these children not to see this. I don't even know what to, to call it. So one individual's right to to display their living gender or the whatever they call it. What do they say in the, in the, in the article? Um, let's see. What did they say again? Um, lived gender. Lived gender. So in accordance with their lived gender. I guess, I don't know. I, I, I just can't wait to see the reaction of the parents on this one. It's going to be a doozy. This is the, I mean, I, where are the limits? Like, where where do we draw the line? Where are the limits? Um, I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. Uh, in any case, please let me, let me, let me stop. Take this, this, this picture off because I just, I just, it's, it's just absurd. Just absurd, the picture. All right. So um, we'll move on to uh, the second story tonight that I wanted to cover. And that was just a, wasn't even a story so i have some interesting topics tonight um so a story out of alberta where the court of appeal of alberta dismisses unvaccinated woman's case for organ donation so the alberta's court of appeal has upheld the requirements that eligible transplant recipients be vaccinated against covid19 saying the stipulation did not violate the charter rights of a woman who refused to get a dose Annette Lewis filed a legal challenge against Alberta Health Services, doctors, and hospital earlier this year after she was unable to get a life-saving organ transplant due to her one unwillingness to be vaccinated. The ruling stated, being vaccinated against COVID-19 is a necessary component of proper medical care for individuals, including Mrs. Lewis, who are seeking an organ transplant. The Court of Appeal ruled Tuesday. Since when... 
again, I say this often. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an economist. I'm not a doctor. When did a vaccine, for all intents and purposes, for the flu, become a necessary component for a medical care for individuals? Since when? Not only that, this is a life-saving organ transplant that she needs. And you are going to limit this and stop her from having it because she refuses to get a vaccine. <laughs> There's a publication ban on the doctor's identities, the organ involved, and the location of the transplant program. Lewis was diagnosed with a terminal disease in 2018 and was told she would not survive unless she received an organ transplant. She was placed on a transplant waitlist in 2020, but was informed a year later she would not get the COVID-19 vaccine to receive an organ. Taking this vaccine offends my conscience, she says. I ought to have the choice about what goes into my body, and the life-saving treatment cannot be denied to me because I chose not to take an experimental treatment for a condition, which I do not have and which I may never have. Guys, <laughs> again, the, the issue of bodily, body autonomy comes where since where is a correlation between a vaccine for COVID-19 which has no bearing on her operation to save her life so you're willing I don't understand where Alberta is going I don't understand how first of all how a court could could um uphold this decision and and make this go on the case was dismissed uh, in in court of a king a court of king's bench earlier this year with justice paul belzil ruling that the standard of care must be the same for all potential recipients or could result in medical chaos bazel said the character has no application on clinical treatment decisions and particularly for doctors establishing preconditions for organ transplants so now covid-19 is a precondition the Court of Appeal agreed with Belzil, ruling that COVID-19 vaccine is part of the medical treatment for people seeking an organ transplant. I'm so confused, guys. I'm, I, I, I don't know. I'm confused. The ruling said that Lewis's char charter rights were not breached. She, re she can refuse the vaccine, the ruling said, but there are no consequences with that decision. There are consequences with that decision. A patient's decisions can result in serious risk or consequences, including death, but those are not caused by the healthcare providers, the ruling said. We are deeply disappointed with today's decision, said in, um, Alison Pedrovich, uh, Lewis's lawyer, said in a news release from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. Mrs. Lewis has fought, uh, fought against this discriminatory policy, not only for herself, but for all transplant candidates who are similar, similarly being discriminated against. Um, guys, uh, I don't know if you could put in the comments. I, I, I don't, I don't get, I don't get the, 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 I mean, it's not like you, where is, I guess, since someone needs to explain to me the correlation between having a vaccine for COVID-19. Okay. Well, let's see here. What does my buddy Tony Chichi says? Hey, T. In the case of organ transplants, they are given medication, anti-rejection, which causes them to be immune compromised getting vaccine is very important as they are unable to fight off the virus okay so but 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 what about um if she if she feels that she doesn't want to have it for whatever reason that she might have some um 
side effects or some people for whatever reason i don't know what her reasons are but shouldn't she have the right to to do so i, I don't understand how a court can make that decision that um but you see here's the thing okay okay here's the thing would they have said that you needed an influenza flu shot prior to COVID nineteen? This is my case. This, this is my my question here. They have to protect her against herself. Again, okay, I understand. But again, had this been normal times, COVID nineteen never existed. Would they have obliged her to take the flu shot? Pretty much certain, no. So, again, I, I don't get it. I got the flu. It was worse than when I got COVID. I could tell you that much. Twice as worse. Twice worse. I can't speak tonight. But anyway, twice as worse. There we go. We got it. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think um, probably as they should. I don't know about that, though. I don't know about that, that they would ask for a flu shot. I highly doubt it because then we're going to ask for any type of surgery that the person needs to have flu shots and all their shots and everything protected against anything. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure about that. I'm, uh, I'm going to back to all. In any case, I, I, me personally, I don't see how you could stop a person from getting a life-saving operation because they refuse to take the vaccine. It stops there. I don't see how a court cannot say that it goes against a charter the, the 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 rights and protections of us um in that, that that is written in the charter of rights and freedoms well even though we all know the liberals and most particularly trudeau ripped it apart during um the last two years but i guess they're taking a i don't know this court of appeals is taking a page out of his book right who cares fuck it it's only a charter it's only part of our constitution who cares Canadians, what are they going to do? They're going to argue. What are we going to do? We're going to argue, right? I just can't believe it. I don't know. I I don't find at all that this this is this to me is is not cool. It's not cool. That's 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 just my opinion. Um, all right. On to the next one. Um, recently a story came out. A pretty pretty disturbing story because and i can relate to this and i'm going to tell you why after um so the the name of the last week a man uh, came out of mcdonald's in montreal and went towards his car and the cops by the way in plain clothing not identified themselves according to um bryce dossa um and put him into handcuffs no explanation or nothing and even after he said to them, yes, this is my car, and it was proven that it was his car, right? There's there's no conversation, no nothing. Right away, not explaining themselves, not identifying themselves, no explanation, put them in handcuffs, and then the icing on the cake, they have no keys to take him out of the handcuffs, okay? So when Bryce Dawson left the Montreal McDonald's last week, and tried to get into his car, he didn't expect to end up in handcuffs. And he certainly didn't expect that. Despite confirming his innocence, officers wouldn't uncuff him right away because they didn't have the key. I feel traumatized, humiliated. My human rights have been uh, violated. By the way, he is black. 
And right now, I don't feel safe around police officers anymore. That's the Tosi TV news on uh, Montreal on Saturday. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Let me see here. Um, the video does not show the circumstances leading up to the detainment, but according to Dasa, and why would he lie? He was caught completely off guard, alleging police gave him little to no information on what was going on. I saw a gentleman come from behind, pulling my right hand at the back. What's going on here? He recounted. The police did not introduce themselves and say, I'm police. I'm here for this and that. Give me the papers of the vehicle. They didn't ask anything. They just harassed me aggressively, handcuffed me without even telling me what is happening. Of course, a tweet from the Montreal Police <laughs> Service at SPFAM claims the vehicle lock showed typical and obvious attempted theft marks, prompting officers to investigate. Investigate Before they could finish their checks, a citizen walked up to it in possession of it. First, first of all, okay, so here's the thing. If I stole a, a car, I'm going to stop at McDonald's and go inside. At the best, maybe if I'm going to stop at McDonald's, I might go through the drive-thru, first of all. Second of all, why I said previously, why I could relate, because this past, uh, like last summer, they tried to get into my car. They tried to steal my car, okay? They didn't, but they played with the with the marks, uh, with the, the key entry, and you could see that it's been played with and it's been damaged, okay? So uh, towards the end of the, towards this summer, um, two police officers on bikes were here near my house, and I'm happy to be outside. I'm not sure I was mowing the lawn. I have no idea what I was doing. I don't recall. And they stopped near my car. So it was parked on the street, not in my driveway. So I went up to them and I said, is there a problem? He goes, is this your car? And I said, yes. He goes, oh, um, you know, we see this. Uh, yes, I saw they tried uh, stealing my car a few months ago and I never got it fixed or the previous summer. I never got it fixed. So it ended at that. So I could relate because, you know, obviously I still have marks on my car. I have a Honda CRV, which is one of the, I think is the most uh, stolen vehicle in Canada. So makes sense. But these, these two, when I approached the car, <laughs> did they put me in handcuffs? Now it leads me to believe maybe, is it because I'm white? And if I was black, would they have done differently? Like this gentleman coming out of McDonald's, going to his car, no explanation, plain clothed uh, uh, police officers, no explanation, put him in handcuffs. And then, to add insult to injury, they have no key. They have no key. They have to wait for another of their colleagues to bring a key. I mean, where, like, it, it's incredible. What, what goes through the, the, the your thought process? Of, as a, and I have respect for police officers. I've had friends that are police officers. I've had a police officer on my podcast. But come on, man. Oh, come on. I'm going to steal a car and I'm going to go and I'm going to stop at McDonald's and get myself a Big Mac trio. <laughs> Think about how absurd this is. This, this guy is traumatized. I would be too. It's, it's crazy. It was at this time that he was temporarily detained for investigation by the two police officers. The citizen was released unconditionally without charge once the checks were completed. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm sure he feels so much better now that he was released after staying in handcuffs for how, for having walking up to his own car. Again, what was the crime? Being black?
Oof. But there's no racism in Montreal. It doesn't exist, according to our premier in Quebec. Ah, Monsieur Legault. There's no racism. <laughs> Leave it up to Tony. Bro, you're looking buff, by the way. You're working out. I wish, though. <laughs> Maybe the camera's being flattering on me tonight, or it's this uh, toy shirt. Uh, <laughs> all right. Here we go. Um, incredible. This is what's going on, guys. Next story. Opposition growing to Trudeau's dangerous censorship bill. So last week, a letter from over 40,000 Canadian content creators urged senators to reject Bill C-11 in its current form, sounding the alarm on what they say is a very dangerous piece of legislation. No kidding. And in the latest uh, bullshit law and stupidity that the liberals and my good friend Justin Trudeau is, of course, Bill C-11. Let's control their minds. Let's control what they see. Let's control what they watch. Let's control what they listen to. So one of my favorite characters, this guy looks like something out of a, I don't know, a make-believe book, our heritage minister, Pablo Rodriguez. The government's point person on C-11 has claimed his legislation is designed to support Canadian content creators. Someone like me. Oh, I can't wait. Saying it will help me make sure that our cultural sector works for Canadians and supports the next generation of artists and creators. He should have asked content creators before making that claim. In a letter sent to everybody, uh, to every member of the Senate, Digital First Canada, a group representing tens of thousands of small Canadian content creators, warned C-11, Bill C-11, could kill the careers of very artists that Trudeau government claims it wants to help. Because remember, right? It's never really when a bill is something like this so controversial. It's never really you're gonna you're gonna hide it, right? It's like a pig, like you could put makeup on a pig, right? And put out a dress on this pig, and it's still a pig. So basically, what they're trying to do here is hide C11. It's basically just a censorship bill, but they're saying that it's it's to 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 protect Canadian content creators. So here we go. Right now, our livelihoods are at risk, reads the letter, and it notes the government rammed Bill C-11 through the House of Commons without any room for debate or amendments. Why would they do that? The liberals don't believe in debate and discussions. Uh, earlier this year, over 40,000 creators and users raised our voices in the House and threw letters to defend our digital businesses against these changes. We were ignored. Isn't that the specialty of the liberals? Ignore everybody. Ignore. I don't care. I do what I want. So much for having the backs of Canadian artists. Uh, major companies like Google and YouTube have also come out forcefully against Bill C-11, warning that Canadian consumers will be force-fed government-approved content. <laughs> there's, there's, right? We're, we're pushing Canadian content. We're pushing Canadian content. But government-approved content. Google partnering with Open Media notes Canadians' favorite content could be systematically downranked in favor of content the CRTC deems Canadian enough, according to their wildly outdated 1980s era criteria. I love that. Think about that. So you're going to have the government decide what is Canadian enough in the name of pushing and protecting Canadian content. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Remember what our prime minister said, right? Free speech has a limit. You can't even hurt feelings anymore. So now you're going to have the CRTC that basically reports to the prime minister and the liberals controlling 
content creation on the internet. Could you fucking imagine what that, that would look like? There, bro, fucking. I said fucking. I'd probably be thrown off. CRTC, this animal, agreed to disagree, so swore. YouTube is issuing a similar message. If Bill C-11 is put into practice, this means that when viewers come to YouTube homepage, they're served content that is Cana- that a Canadian government regulator has prioritized rather than content they are interested in. YouTube's chief product officer wrote in a recent uh, blog post. <laughs> Guys, do you understand? I'm laughing, but I, I, this is not funny. Do, do you realize how dangerous this is? Do you realize they're going into... First of all, they're stopping how we could think. They're stopping us from, from protesting. I don't give a shit what you think about the Freedom Convoy, right? They stopped us from there. Emergency act, yeah. Anyway, you know how I feel about that. Now, the control, free speech. Can't say what you want. Because if you're hurting someone's feelings, you can't say it anymore. Now, they want to control the content that we see. And they're hiding it, saying that they're going to push Canadian content. At the end of the day, guys, do you want the CRTC? Do you want the CRTC to control what we could watch and what is out there for them to watch? Think about how dangerous this is, guys. And this is, I don't know how long this list is. This is, again, the liberal government. Initial concerns about BC11 also remain. If bu- if government bureaucrats get to choose what content to push on Canadians, there's a genuine risk the government will be tempted to use its filtering powers to silence its critics. Now, this is phase two in their plan. Phase one was giving one point something billion dollars to over 100 something news outlets across Canada that were bankrupt, including the CBC. That, by the way, during COVID gave uh, a couple of 12, 15 million dollars in bonuses. Okay, so you're bankrupt. You need a bailout from the government. And they're going to give you this money. And you're telling me that you're going to talk about this bad about the same company or could or critique the company, the, the government that's giving you this money. Now, this is phase two. Now they could actually control, control the content. Anybody that speaks poorly or negatively against the government, they give themselves the power to play with this. Guys, this is China. This is communism. This is communism. He's always said that he loves China. And that he loves he loves the dictatorship. Guys, it's happening before our own eyes. And you know what? What oh my god. When I'm online and I'm do and I see comments and I still and luckily it's the very small minority that actually protect this clown. This clown that we have a prime minister, they protect him. Any bill that has anything that has the C word in it, censorship, no, gone, no, there's no censorship, guys. I'm sorry. Are you guys, 
I, I don't understand if you understand if you if you anybody watching this or listening to this after as a podcast, do you understand how dangerous this is? How slippery that slope is. He wants to control what we watch. Guys, for all intents and purposes, we are already a communist country if we allow this to, uh, to go through. The I, I'm I'm only my only prayer is that the Senate shuts this down or makes them completely ratify uh, uh modify it uh, to a more I don't know acceptable acceptable version. That's all I could, uh, that's all I could hope for. Anyway, I'm gonna start taking some Chinese lessons. I'm going to start taking some Chinese lessons. We're almost there. We're almost there. He's getting everything he's wanted. This guy, I have a feeling, before he leaves office, before he loses the next mandate, God willing, I, I hope, that I don't know, and I've said this for years now, what is this guy going to do to this country until he leaves? He's, he's a, like, we're already uh, inflation, recession, uh, cost of goods. He, he can't even, he can't. A head of lettuce. A head of fucking lettuce. Seven, eight dollars. Interest rates. Inflation. I don't know. I don't know where we're going, guys. There's some dark times. Luckily, you have me here. I'm going to try to help you through it. I'm going to try. Oof. Wow. You know, <laughs> I think I'm going to have to start doing some more positive stories. But unfortunately, tonight there's not any positive stories. All right. Next topic. Next story. The former CSIS honcho says Canadian politicians are on foreign agents' payroll. <laughs> A former espionage officer claims that some Canadian politicians are on the payroll of foreign agents. According to Blacklock's reporter, Michel Junot Katsuya, former chief of the Asia-Pacific desk at the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, told the Commons Ethics Committee there are elected officials at all levels, whether it's municipal, provincial, or federal, who are being paid by foreign governments and who are not necessarily acting in the interests of, can of Canada. She said the problem was ongoing. What we know for sure is we have... Various foreign countries that succeeded in recruiting elected officials, again, municipal, provincial, or federal, and were capable of influencing this way. Both the RCMP and CSIS were concerned to see politicians involved in activities, said Juno Katsuya, that were questionable in light of the responsible office. Canada does not have any federal law mandating disclosure of foreign agents paid to lobby elected officials. So let me explain to you how disturbing this is. I've said this again previously in our podcast. Uh, the Harper government for years uh, vetoed the sale of a company that was in the intelligence um, domain. So it was ruled a... Um, national security risk. He vetoed the sale of this company to a Chinese company. Okay? Stating national risks. National security risks. 
vetoed it many times, multiple times. That company, once the liberals came in to power, what do you think happened, guys? Let me guess. First one in the in the notes, in the comments, excuse me. First one to put in the comments, what do you think happened with this sale? Did the sale go through? Show me in the comments. I'll wait. One. I'll wait five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. Nobody knows. Guys, surprise, surprise. He let the sale go through. He let the sale go through. So now you 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 put into conjunction with this story, guys. On all levels, we have <laughs> we have on foreign payrolls, foreign agents' payrolls. Because it's, it's not a conspiracy anymore, guys. This is actually happening. This is actually happening. That our country is basically open. It's Open, come do what you want, spy on who you want to spy on, do what you want to do, use our country as uh, whatever you want. It's okay because you know our government that, that's been in power for three mandates now lets you do what you want. Our national security is at risk. This is a former head honcho of CISIS. A former honcho. It's, it's, not, it's not just any Tom, Dick, and Harry off the, tr off the street here, guys. The ex-head honcho of CISIS. I don't know. It's it's pretty scary. It's pretty scary. I'm not going to lie to you. Luckily, I mean, we're, we're just, we've always been a very passive country, right? Who's going to want to attack Canada, right? You'd like to think Big Brother, if that would ever happen, Big Brother would come to our rescue, right? Our neighbors down in the south, in case you're wondering. Just the good, U, good old US of A. But uh, I, f I found this I found this uh, article pretty disturbing. I'm not gonna lie, pretty disturbing. I guess there's you know, liberals are are busy at I don't know drag shows, skipping Remembrance Day. They don't care about national security. It's gonna go to Cambodia for a summit. Miss uh, Miss uh, Remembrance Day. Pay respects and tribute to fallen soldiers paid with their life. Who cares? It doesn't matter, right? It's enough time for that. Guys, I don't know. Like, you know, I hope, I hope this is my 73rd episode. And I've been, I've been lambasting Trudeau and the liberals since I started this podcast. And I hope the message is getting through all you people listening in Canada. And I know half of my audience is from Canada. Uh, I pray, I pray to God that you guys are listening, man. Guys, we've got to stop making excuses. we got to stop making excuses for this clown. We really do. Because it's, it's getting dangerous. Um, we're losing... <laughs> slowly but slowly becoming losing our rights and uh, you know you could argue with me all you want guys i'm sorry soon we're not going to be able to say anything we're going to be controlled over watching government is being paid off by god knows where 
our national security is out the window. Uh, but it's okay. Life goes on, right? Life goes on. Guys, my last my last one is <laughs> I found this funny. It's not it's not my like I was right moment. No, no, not even. No, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna honestly. But the 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 title of this one was Sweden wins. The country that refused lockdown and kept schools open has the lowest pandemic mortality rate in the world. Amazing, eh? Amazing. So, um, yeah. So I don't know how many countries were part of this. Quite, quite, quite. Anyway. So per per deaths, uh, cumulative excess deaths percentage is 6.7%. The next one is Norway at 6.9. Denmark, 12.9. New Zealand, 15.5. So on and so forth. Uh, Canada is uh, where? Pretty much in the middle of the pack. I thought I saw Canada. 29.2. Okay. It's a good thing we had curfews and lockdowns, eh? <laughs> really protected us. Hey, that worked out well. Thank God. So happy that they locked us down. Curfew, especially in Quebec, eh? Oof. That COVID was nasty after 9 p.m. It was really nasty. So so this report uh, done by a leading... Uh, uh, hold on one second. I'm going to try to go find the story here. And then I try to... Uh, one of the leading uh, epidemiologists, excuse me, I probably massacred that, um, said, the analysis, uh, my analysis of each country leads me to three main conclusions. This is great. Listen to this. First, COVID exists and is deadly for some. This is evident given the very strong and consistent correlations between weekly excess deaths and weekly reported COVID deaths. I think it is also important to accept this fact given that there is very little resistance now to the assertion that COVID was manufactured in a biolab. Those responsible for making it are responsible for the millions of deaths it has caused. Ooh, interesting. Secondly, experimental attempts at mitigating the spread of the virus through various social distancing measures, including school and business closures, imprisoning healthy people in their homes, forced wearing of masks, etc., show very little evidence of benefit. Any uh, spacious evidence from prison islands, Australia and New Zealand, is ultimately proven futile as predicted by the world's two best epidemiologists, Geisick and Tegnell. The harms of these interventions are also apparent in the ultimate excess deaths numbers. Those responsible for implementing them should be held accountable for the deaths they have caused. Ouch. And thirdly, the only thing that could have made COVID worse was to put the same people responsible for making it in charge of making the antidote. It's a bit like putting the arsonist in charge of fire policy after they burn down the city. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but that's what's happening with COVID. It is abundantly clear that there is no reduction in COVID deaths as a result of mass administration of the experimental vaccine. Moreover, as we should logically ex uh, accept deficits and periods after excess mortality, such as occurred in the nine months prior to the medical experiment, and greater protection from herd immunity and the natural selection of less vi uh, virulent variants, it is difficult to argue against the allegation that the experiment has somehow contributed to the uh, 
perpetuation of COVID rather than its demise. This is further supported by the fact that COVID and excess deaths both taper off in line with society's final realization that they should take no further part in the experiment. Woo! Pretty scathing. Anyway, besides those three, which I loved, especially the one, the, the, the fire policy after they burned down the city, that was my favorite. All I have to say is that I remember the, the, the uproar about how uh, Sweden decided to um, deal with COVID and look where they are today. That's all I'm going to say, guys. That's all I'm going to say. And listen, whether you like him or not, and how DeSantis played it in Florida, take away, of course, the, the deaths uh, of 65 or 70% older and older because obviously that bracket was much higher because obviously COVID had a bigger impact on them. And of course, demographics in Florida are much older. So they still had a very low mortality rate. To, again, minus that uh, demographic. So good on Sweden. Love this report. But that was that's a classic one there about the, uh, about the fire. So um, yeah. It's it's been a pretty interesting week. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I think next week we're going to be having some guests. So um, things are just getting crazy, guys. Like I said, there's there's no there's no limit in terms of what I'm I'm going to be covering. There's so many stories to talk about. So we'll see next week. So thanks everyone for tuning in and listening to this podcast, guys. Like I've said, please show the love. Um, like, share, subscribe, leave a review, especially. That's the most important thing. Please, guys, leave a review. I will read your review online, of course, if it's good, uh, live on the next show if I find one. All right, guys? So thank you so much. You take care of yourselves. And à la semaine prochaine. Thanks for listening to the Agree to Disagree show. Make sure you like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about it. Until next time. <laughs>